Okay, Joel, to kick things off this week, I have a question for you to help our audience out. If you could suggest one true crime documentary to our audience, what would that be? Mingala, Man, Myth, Monster. Okay, what's it about? It is a documentary about the lifetimes and unfortunate career of Dr. Joseph Mingala, a.k.a. The, the Angel of Death of Auschwitz. Nazi. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. This guy. We are going to do an episode on him. He is... <laughs> he is fucked. He's blasted off to another planet. He is. He, he has goose-stepped his way to a very, very special place in hell. And he took many, many of his students with him. He is a terrible, terrible man. And where can you find this documentary? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I remember watching it on Netflix. I know it's not on Netflix anymore. You can probably find it on YouTube. Amazon, I know for a fact, has the DVD of the documentary. But other than that, I don't know where to find it. I just know that was a great documentary. I learned a lot. It was properly creeped out and thoroughly disappointed at the end. Word, word. Yeah, I mean, so being creeped out by a documentary actually goes into, you know, what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to suggest to our listeners, and this is what really kind of... So we started this podcast in March of 2019. And one of the, the documentaries that I watched that really kind of started pushing me in this, like, mindset of villains and true crime and whatnot was uh, and i don't know if you've seen this joel but the paradise lost trilogy on hbo oh the west memphis three yes yes west memphis Three. and for those of you that don't know it's three teenagers that were accused of murdering some little boys and basically they definitely didn't do it the fucking town of uh west memphis arkansas that's right yeah, so the whole town basically just colludes against them and falsifies evidence and basically gets them all sent to fucking prison for 20 years, essentially. But uh, I'm not going to spoil any more of it, but the, the documentary itself is uh, integral into what happened with the case, like, now. So there's three movies. The first one, I think, is the best. There's a lot of Metallica that plays. <laughs> It's from the 90s. It's one of HBO's first documentaries that they ever did, and uh, it's fantastic. So that would be my uh, recommendation for the audience as far as uh, of true crime documentaries. And absolutely, let me just tell you right now, Stephen, the preacher, the self-appointed witch hunter and occult expert in that story, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh, he is absolutely getting an episode on our show. What a hunk of shit. He was like the one that was that was like and the defendant listened to Metallica and read Stephen King. And everybody's like <gasps> It's like Jesus fucking Christ. It is surprising because at for the most part, the satanic panic that took place in the early eighties and went on had kind of tapered off. And this was just the last hurrah of the satanic panic in the small, uneducated part of the South. Which, no offense to anyone from that part of the country, but y'all know what towns I'm talking about. We all, everyone fucking knows a town that is like that. So that brings us into our episode today. So I would like to welcome all of you to episode 41 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Joel. And what we do here is we talk about one real-life villain and one fictional villain, and we discuss their crimes, their histories, motives, any connections that they may have with one another, 
And we cap it all off at the end of the episode with our trusty bowler hat scale. So the reason that we're talking about these true crime documentaries is we actually had several people reach out and wanted us to cover one of the more recent documentary releases on Netflix called Don't Fuck With Cats and the villain that uh, the documentary is about. Before we get started, just want to throw out a disclaimer. There will be spoilers for that documentary, so if you are interested in watching it, please go watch it on Netflix and then come back and listen to the because we don't want to ruin it for you. Yeah, pause this. Pour yourself a large glass of whiskey or scotch or brandy, something really hard, and then watch that uh, documentary. And the reason I'm <laughs> saying a hard alcohol is you kind of want a part of your senses and your soul to be dead a little bit. Because if you have any humanity, this show is going to yeah. fuck with you. It really is. It's just going to fuck with With that being said, today's episode is going to cover Luca Rocco Magnata, the villain from the Don't Fuck With Cats documentary, as well as the villain we selected for his counterpart, Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Hey, Steven! Have you ever listened to Huey Lewis in the news? (laughs) Their first album was a little rough. Far too poppy for me. But their second album, oh, that was perfect. You ever notice how Patrick Bateman kind of sounds like a homicidal maniac? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, yeah. A homicidal Ace Ventura. Oh, yeah. Some scenes. I, I can see that. I can see that. Okay. That wasn't just me. Cool. And we'll, we'll get into it. But recently, like, <laughs> I've just been using the line, don't just stare at it, eat it far too much. I have. <laughs> like anytime somebody's at work and they'll have like an apple in their hand and I'll be like, hey, don't just stare at it. Eat it. I have not used that line, and I feel like I've been... uh, Missing out? (laughs) Shorting myself out of the pleasures of life with that one. (laughs) You really have, honestly. It's made things a lot better. So let's start out with Luca Rocco Magnata. And I feel like I'm going to do a lot of accents in this episode. I know I'm not usually the accent guy, but, like, this guy's accent just kills me. He's, I'm Luca Rocco Magnata. I'm Luca Rocco Magnata. I am an aspiring... But, like, put a little more wine on it. I'm Luca Rocca Magnata. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, very perfect. Yeah. So, he was born as Eric Clinton Kirk Newman. You never trust a guy with four names, number one. Absolutely not. That's why I changed it to three. Because it works with my sex appeal <laughs> and i know we're, we're joking about his voice and stuff but this guy was really like that you know he was an aspiring actor he was a porn actor he was a stripper and basically anytime he was in front of the camera he'd basically say things like yeah my friends think i'm actually very good looking and people tell me all the time that i'm one of the best looking people they've ever seen i've seen pictures of this guy listen i'm an <laughs> ugly chud i look at my face and i know i know for a fact listen Steven, I'm going to say this now, and you can't be offended by this, but listen. On the podcast, if this were a boy band, you and I, I'm the cute one. We're basically the, the we're the hawking animal of the podcast world. <laughs> yeah, you're the talented one. I'm the cute one. And I look like the underside of a chud's nutsack <laughs> on a good day. And I'm basically and, like a bowl of goblin diarrhea. Right. And we both look better than this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Just, and it's amazing. And you're going to understand what we're talking about. But this, this guy, even his appearance speaks to just how empty he is. 
his 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 appearance could best be described as vapid. Obsessed with his appearance. He is a classic narcissist. He is a classic narcissist. And they're empty inside. And he just he's a personification when he speaks. It's like a shell. Yeah. Basically. And, you know, there's some reasoning to that. So let's talk about his childhood a little bit. There's not a whole lot out there, but he has talked about his mother a little bit. And his mother was actually obsessed with cleanliness and kind of that, like, kind of that little bit that you see in Luca of being obsessed with the way he looked. And, like, you know, she would routinely lock him and his siblings out of the house and, like, into the, like, hours of the night. They couldn't come in the house. And she would give them, like, cruel lessons and... If they didn't clean up after their pet rabbits, they all had pet rabbits. They didn't clean up after them. Uh, she would throw them in the backyard and let them freeze to death. And remember, this is Canada in the winter. She would just throw them outside and they would freeze to death. And she would make the children watch out the window. When you see those crazy mom in the serial killer movies where the mom is just like, mm, the house must be clean. <laughs> That's his mom. Yeah, well, not only that, and but that she was very defensive of him once he was finally caught. Which we'll get to, but, you know, she was kind of the, uh, oh, he would have never done that, and he's innocent, and nothing, he never did anything like this, and the whole world's against him, and, and he was set up, and every excuse in the book she would throw out to the cops. I can't imagine where he gets that sense of entitlement and importance from. Uh, it's, it's almost like it was bred into him at a young age or something. The, the other thing that doesn't help matters is that Dad was diagnosed as a schizophrenic. Those two things put together, it's like, holy shit. Uh, narcissistic uh, woman with uh, clearly showing signs of an OCD, martyr complex. It's, yeah, this is, it's a nice soup. We gonna make us a nice killer. He gonna come out, he gonna cut the head off a little Chinese man. Oh, it's gonna be so good. He gonna fuck at the corpse. Once dad was di diagnosed with schizophrenia, he actually moved out of the house, divorced mom, and uh, Luca actually moved out. He didn't want to live with his mother anymore. He was 12 and moved in with his grandmother, you know. And uh, his grandmother actually had her shit together, but I think the damage was done at this point. And uh, really kind of... No shit! <laughs> Joel's giving me the duh. No look. shit, the damage is already done. <laughs> I, I, I like to think that in this particular situation, him wanting to go to his grandmother's like i think he knew that there was something wrong with him and he was like maybe i can just get the fuck out of here maybe if i just get the fuck out of here i'm not gonna yeah, feel maybe. what i feel i mean i'm, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. i'm sure that he just wanted an escape and and but like like i said it didn't really seem to change matters much in 2003 you know at this point he was so he was born in 82 so he was about 21 at this age he decided to kind of dive right into uh, modeling, uh, working in porn, working as a stripper and a male escort, mostly with other men. Uh, did dabble with women a little bit, but uh, he was mo most notably having sex with men. And that's how he made his money, kind of doing high-end escort jobs and, and, you know, back alley escort jobs. <laughs> back alley? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. It clearly it's butt sex, but still back alley, back alley escort. It <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. I don't know why that cracked me up. But listen, that is not what I meant. But everyone thinks that working in porn, you're gonna make a shit ton of money. I hate to break it to you, folks, but men do not make. There is a huge 
gap between men in porn getting paid and women in porn getting paid. And surprisingly enough, escorting is kind of like the industry norm for men in the porn industry. It's, it's really strange. And to be fair, women don't get paid shit <laughs> for porn. Like, they don't. Yeah, guys get paid a lot less. It's, it's crazy to see how it's all just kind of snowballs. It's all just snowballing because, you know, he's like, everyone gets to see my wang. Oh, I don't have enough money. Now they get to see my wang. Oh, I don't get to make enough money. Now a room full of people get to see my wang. And it just adds on to this guy's, like, need to be important. It's really weird. And we're glossing over the fact that, like, his dad had schizophrenia. And schizophrenia is a highly, highly hereditary disease. And that's something that the documentary does not cover. They don't talk about the fact that his dad was a schizophrenic. Like, of course this is gonna fuck with him. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And he's in his early 20s. This is around the time. Now, the reason I'm bringing up all the porn and the whatnot is to try to point out that it's around this time as you'll find out later on, that his particularly violent tendencies begin to show up. And it's at this time, as someone who has uh, undiagnosed schizophrenia, that psychotic breaks will begin. This is when you really notice, at this age, in your early, late teens, early 20s, is when you really begin to notice clear signs of schizophrenia. And one of the things that sets it off is stress. So imagine if you are, you're already working in a highly stressful situation. Porn is highly stressful. Then you're working as an escort, which is dangerous no matter what, and highly stressful. And now you're working as a uh, male stripper, which uber stress, all of it combined with his need to be the center of attention, which he is only temporarily, which adds more stress when he's not 100% center of attention. It all just sort of goes together to show that this is soup. It's so nice. It was on the boiler and it was ready to go. And oh, now we added the secret sauce. <laughs> it's called stress. I think there's one more little garnish that you put on top of that. And that's called rejection, which kind of sent this guy over, you know, because his dream is to be fucking famous. So he appeared in Toronto's Fab magazine. He had like kind of an unsuccessful stint on this reality series, uh, Canadian reality series called cover boy and that's kind of like where you saw some of the clips in the documentary of him kind of being like all the people that i know tell me i'm the best looking that they've ever seen uh, everyone thinks that i have just great muscle you know i can build up a little bit but i'm, I'm you know I'm, i look really good so he's constantly trying to build himself up clearly fe feeling like he's you know is inferior and then you know he auditioned for a show called plastic makes perfect because he used money uh from escorting from uh from stripping, from doing porn to do to get cosmetic surgeries done. So when these shows and magazines and people are just like, yeah, you're just, I mean, this is a tough industry to break. Like anything that involves media or modeling or music or anything like that, most people don't make it. But I'm amazed. <laughs> right. I'm the most handsome man on the planet. All my friends just can't stop staring at me. Well, but that was the thing is that he didn't have friends and he was creating a persona for himself. Specific thing where I can't remember the, the woman's name, but uh, her and her husband murdered her sister and her sister's friends in Canada. 
Do you know who? I'm t- I know you know who I'm talking about. It was like a, a serial killer case. I don't know. Uh, right my favorite murder did an episode on it. Well, he made up a rumor about himself dating the woman that was in that, and he was like, "I wish people would stop saying that I dated her. I definitely didn't." And it's like nobody's fucking saying this. To yeah, it's, and that goes again back to the narcissism and the detachment from reality and basically it's like the schizophrenia you kind of create your own version of reality and that's what he was doing so when i said you know all my friends they were the friends that were sitting in his ear just going like hey 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 cut that chinese guy's head off eat him fuck his carbs before that happened there was some things that happened like once again, this stuff was not mentioned in the documentary. In 2005, he was convicted of three counts of credit card fraud. So one of which he impersonated a woman, applied for a credit card, got it, and then used it to purchase more than $10,000 worth of stuff. So he constantly had money rolling to allow him to go from country to country and, and like try and live the life of this glamorous star, even though he wasn't one. And nobody gave a fuck. Yeah. He created, like, 30 profiles for himself on social media and, like, was just following himself and, like, trying to beef out his his internet sensation career. Things like that, you know? There's a certain sadness to that. Like, I know that this guy is a villain. Okay? And we've, we've dealt with narcissists and we've dealt with psychotic people before, but this one seems different because it's very much a product of the social media age. I feel like this particular killer is the first that we've really talked about that is, I feel, a direct... You can see a correlation between social media and him. And the and the rise of the internet and internet fame, right? Like, I just... It, it's it's kind of hard not to feel sorry for this guy. Here. I'll do you. I'll do you a favor. No, no, I'll do you no, a no, big no, fucking no, favor. No, 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 no. Let <laughs> me fucking rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. At this point in his villainy career, it's That's hard fair. not to feel because sorry. Because I'm about for to him. shit all over okay? that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just at at this fucking point, at this juncture, where the documentary's name comes comes from, and where the kind of story picks up is there's this Facebook group, and all of a sudden, you know, a video comes in. A YouTube video. And the YouTube video is called One Boy, Two Cats. And it's a guy holding a couple of cute little kittens. And you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's cute kittens or whatever. And then he proceeds to put them in a vacuum-sealed plastic bag and then use a vacuum to suck all the air out of them, instantly suffocating both kittens. Oh! Oh, okay. See, now here's the thing. Here's the funny thing about before this doc- before I watch this documentary. I remember these videos. You know, there's videos popping up where he's uh, kittens being fed to a python, stepped on, and then you know the vacuum, you know vacuum seal. Uh, there was another one where he taped he taped a cat to like a a stick or a plunger or something, and then drown it in the bathtub. Listen, I was a denizen of 4chan back in the day, so I saw this shit when it came out, and then years later I heard about this crazy Canadian guy who did all this crazy shit. But conveniently enough, all that shit, I didn't realize up until I watched a documentary that what I thought were two different crazy fucks were the same guy. So it's kind of weird watching the documentary going like, oh man, I remember being on 4chan when that shit hit B. 
the B message board, like, who the fuck is fucking with this cat? And it's like, oh shit, B slash bro, you know. <laughs> and then, then it's just weird that years later there's a documentary and I was kind of lurking on the page when it hit there for the first time. It's just, it's weird to watch it. Yeah, and weirdly enough, like, this was the first time I'd ever heard of this guy. Like, I, I was really surprised that I had never heard of these videos. Or maybe if I did, I just completely blocked them out of my mind because it's fucking terrible. Going into this, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, who would do this? Who would videotape themselves murdering kittens? Stomping on kittens' heads? Obviously a crazy fuck. But on the other side of it, you have this Facebook group who now are... I think the documentary should really be called Don't Fuck With The Internet. Yeah, because they, they straight up turned into their, the like the early internet version of the Avengers. Yeah, basically. I mean, they did a shitload of detective work and f- fucking found out who this guy was pretty quickly to the point where like when the guy was in England, they asked a reporter to to follow up with this guy. And then of course, you know, he did, they found him at a hotel and uh, Luca was like, no, I didn't do that. I would never do that. I'm, I'm hiding here because people won't leave me alone. I'm hiding here because I'm so beautiful and it's hard when so many haters out there are trying to get me and say, I'm doing these things. It's so wrong, Steven. But yeah, so he was denying it, and like, on the other side of it, it's like he was loving this attention he was getting. At this point, they basically knew it was him, said it wasn't him, so nothing really could be done about it at this point. But he would go on the Facebook page and troll them! From secret accounts, essentially, not from like his own account. Yeah! This motherfucker would go on there and just just drop just enough... They didn't really go this much in the documentary, but like he would drop just enough to let them know. Oh, is this that Luca motherfucker? Oh, it's him! And he and he would drop breadcrumbs. Like he wanted the pursuit. He wanted to be chased because now he was important, and they fed into that a lot. And honestly, like so, one of the groups was a. Uh, they're called Rescue Inc. It was a. It's like a bunch of really tough, tattooed big guys that go beat the shit out of people that r- abuse pets. Which, that's something I can get down with, you know? <laughs> I, I love that shit. But they offered $5,000 to whoever could point out who this was. And there was a guy who was trolling the account who said it was him, basically. Just joking around. And they tracked him down. And this, I mean, they tore him apart. And he killed himself. And it wasn't the guy. And it was like, man, y'all, like, if you're going to do detective work, you need to do detective work. Yeah, and and this is where the documentary, I feel, was very one-sided. There was a narrative they wanted to tell. And the narrative was, watch all these good citizens come together. Except they overlooked the fact that they, they killed the guy. And they may have agged on the murderer. Oh, they fucking absolutely agged on Luca. Like, he was, like, like sorry, I hate to say it, they gave him what he wanted, and he just upped the ante. But l- let's not, 
let's not how about you well, yeah, tell so, what we're talking about i mean as this is going on and i know we kind of talked about all these cat videos but it wasn't all dropped at once it was more like succession like first the vacuum one came out and then they did detective work and then the second one came out and then they did more detective work and then three and four came out you know it was not a it wasn't a, a cluster it was very much a cat and mouse game no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, what a lot of these Facebook people were saying was, we gotta fucking catch this guy because he's gonna fucking murder someone. He is going to murder someone. He is murdering cats. He has made it very clear that he has no problem killing animals. And at this point, they had tracked him to Toronto, or what they thought was Toronto, and they called the Toronto police and they said, you have this guy in your city, he's posting videos of cat of murdering cats, you know, this, that. The Toronto police is like, who the fuck are you? Like, you're calling from fucking Colorado. Like, like we have bigger fish to fry. This There's there's murders going on in Toronto at this time. You know, there's... there. Here in Canada, eh, we have lots of problems with, like, uh, did you know we got that Dom Toretto fella? He's driving his fast cars and stealing our maple syrup. We gotta find out where that guy is at right now, don't you know? We'll get to this more in a second, but there was a slur of murders going on right now in Toronto. And, you know, so the cops hear this and they're like, we do not have time for somebody who's killing fucking cats and feeding cats to snakes. Like, that's fucked up, but also we have murders going on right now. Whatever. And you can't really be mad at them because right at that moment, there was a serial killer in Toronto. The Toronto police has yet to acknowledge the fact that there was a serial killer right. and that there may still be a serial killer. But there were actually two serial killers going on in and around Toronto. One was that he was a gay man who murdered uh, other gay men and used his job as a uh, gardener to bury the bodies around the city in very public places. And the other one was First Nation women who were being brutally slaughtered. And, and then, like, I can't really hold the Toronto police responsible on this one. Like, I can't really say anything bad because you're dealing with two serial killers. Yeah. Your police department has a long-standing history of fucking it up big time. All right. Uh, may I say Henry? Willie Picton. Yeah. Just Willie fucking Picton. That's all I got to say about the Canadian police department. But, uh, yeah, yeah, like, like, there was a lot of shit talking. By those those little internet detectives and it's like motherfuckers a cat large string of people as cruel as it's gonna sound I'll, I'll, I'll feed the cat to the snake let's take care of this bigger problem and it's at this point when the group kind of realized that you know uh they saw some pictures that luca was posting on his accounts uh and realized that this wasn't toronto it was actually montreal because the traffic lights were different. That's kind of how they made their, their discovery. They realized the traffic lights were different and they followed Google Maps all the way down street by street, block by block until they found exactly where Luca was taking the pictures at. So then they get online and this video surfaces. So the video was posted and it was titled One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. And what the video showed was this naked man who was tied up and his face was covered and he was laying unconscious on this bed and the assailant who, you know, at this point through all these videos, you can't see his face really well. His hair is kind of down over his face. Um, he's got a hoodie up. And this assailant gets on top of him and straddles him. And while he's straddling him, he's kind of rocking back and forth. And fucking 
True Faith by New Order is playing in the background. There's a huge Casablanca poster like right up in front of him and he's straddling this this unconscious guy on the bed and then he just pulls out an ice pick and starts stabbing the guy in the chest and I think he ends up stabbing him you know 30 or so times uh, with an ice pick and a kitchen knife meanwhile there's this puppy that's barking on the on the ground next to him if you like watch this it's very reminiscent of a movie which happens to be basic instinct and the reason that this is important is because basic instinct along with american psycho were two of luca's favorite movies in fact he was borderline obsessed with basic instinct in american psycho he essentially in the scene so new orders true faith plays in a major scene in american psycho when he's walking through the club and tells the way the bartender he's gonna fucking rip her apart piece by piece and uh, he's straddling the, the guy like Sharon Stone straddling the guy in Basic Instinct right before she murders him with an ice pick. And there's a huge portrait right above the bed, just like this Casablanca poster. I mean, he's essentially recreating this moment from these two movies. And He has nothing. He has no creativity. He's just fucking stealing it. And this is even more sad. Like, if you're going to become a serial killer, if you're going to become a murderer, if you're going to go the distance and really go hog wild, have some fucking creativity, okay? Don't just plagiarize shit and keep going. What the fuck? And the, the other part of it is that on the internet, he would use, like, uh, aliases from these movies, like P. Bateman and K. K. Trammell from Basic Instinct. And, you know, he was calling himself these names because he was obsessed with we'll talk about patrick bateman here in a minute but patrick bateman was extremely obsessed with the way he looked and cleanliness and how people perceived him he wanted to be noticed and that was luca and so what did he do after the internet's trying to find him and they're sending out people like talking to him he's like i'm going the next step and he ends up killing this guy cutting off his head and videotaping himself play with the head in the bathtub and uh, from what I understand, the police got a more extensive version of the cut, the videotape cut, where he was feeding pieces of meat to the dog as well as having sex with the dead body. He would engage in cannibalism as well. <laughs> he also killed the puppy, too, by the way. Motherfucker. See, now here is where, like, he started out, his whole, his, the beginning of his thesis was weak derivative it was uh basic plagiarism and then i guess he got to the second act of it and he fucking found his creative voice (laughs) it is fucking the head fucking the corpse and feeding pieces to a puppy so what he does is he takes the corpse and and uh real quick just about the victim he was a uh a chinese international student that uh who happened to also be gay and luca essentially lured him to his apartment uh for sex and then killed him so what Luca did was he put the torso in a roller suitcase bag and put the arms and legs in there as well and shipped the feet and the hands to government offices and elementary schools in Canada. Gene, I was looking into this because he was very much into movies. Like these particular films were inspiring him in a sense. Like for some reason... He latched on to it. So I, I, I kept trying to find movies where this was something that, you know, like, 
outside of like, I don't know, seven, you know, where they'd send the head or send whatever. But I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. I guess this was an, a, an original joint. Again, they, they don't really mention the elementary school part in the documentary. They mention the political part of it. But it kind of skews it. It kind of makes it look like that it was a political statement. And it really just wasn't. He sent it to both sides of the political offices. And he sent the fucking hands to schools. You no, know, it's control. It's control. He wanted to control. And he wanted to control what those kids saw. He wanted to be able to affect those children and fuck with their heads. And I don't think any of the kids saw it, thank God. No, I don't think so either. So, you know, at that point, a passerby kind of finds a suitcase on the side of the road. There's maggots and blood all over it. The police show up, they open up the suitcase, and they find the body. They open up some trash bags. You know, the dead puppy was in there too. And uh, the he had thrown away the Casablanca poster. He had thrown away the sheets. He had thrown away his mail in the same trash bags. So they actually tracked the, that mail to his apartment, but of course he had fled at that point. Yeah, there was pieces of his fucking, like, <laughs> his Montreal driver's license. Why? Like, temporary license. What was the fuck? Breadcrumbs, man. Was that breadcrumbs or was that him? See, I don't being... know because he, me and my wife were kind of talking about that too, and it's like, for them to talk about how smart he was, he really wasn't that smart. He was, It felt like he was playing a role. Of somebody that was smart. Right, exactly. And at this point, he gets on a plane to France. And they're able to track him because he used one of his aliases, K. Trammell, to use a passport. And at this point, Canadian police have contacted Interpol. And a massive, essentially a worldwide manhunt is now rearing to go. Because you don't fuck with Canada. There's a torso I found in this, uh, this, this, this here bag over there. Oh! I'm going to tell you right now, that's that's a torso of a uh, Chinese national. We better get on this one or uh, China's going to come in here and just kick our ass, you know? <laughs> China, China was not happy about this, by the way. The whole pro- value of our maple syrup is going to go down here right there. And then what's going to happen to the economy after that? Let me tell you about that, eh? Uh, there was some aboots in the, uh, in the documentary. I know. I loved every <laughs> one of them. There were two A's. That's all I heard. I just heard two. Eh? Uh, he flees from France to Berlin, and kind of ironically, he's caught by the Berlin police because he keeps going to the same internet cafe the same time every day and looking up information and news about himself. And so he's recognized, and the the shop owner sees what he's looking at on the on the computer. He recognizes him and then calls the, the police. Which isn't entirely a stupid thing to do. You know, like keeping an eye out, using the internet to see what the police and what the news is saying about you. That's, that's, that, I think that might be the smartest thing he's done. Dumb part was going every single day to the same <laughs> one every single time. To the same computer, too. It was Germany in the 2000s. There were internet cafes like there were Starbucks in the 90s. They were fucking everywhere. You had your pick of the litter. So they extradited him back to Canada. Even in the interrogation room, this was actually one of the coolest parts about the documentary, is he is in the interrogation room and he's using the same mannerisms as Sharon Stone from uh, from Basic Instinct. He's crossing his legs the same way. He's holding his cigarette the same way. He's He is just... At this point, he's 
essentially not taking any of the blame for it. And he says that he was forced to do this and that this guy named Manny, Manny Lopez has been forcing him to do all this stuff. He forced him to kill the animals and he would pay him a whole lot of money. And that if he didn't do it, Manny and, and the people with Manny were going to kill him. And, you know, there was this conspiracy that like, oh, well, there were hands in the video with the python killing the cat. And it's like, no, the neighbor, his neighbor at that time had the python and came out and said that he, she thought it was just like a feeding. Basically, he said he had this cat that was sick and we needed to get rid of it. So she let the snake eat it. Fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is nature, you know, yeah. it is nature. The snake would go after that one. That old sick cat. To, I mean, in a sense, that makes a little sense. Story's I mean, bullshit. And especially because, you know, he had gone to a lawyer, like, several years before that. Said that this Manny guy, like, made him do this. And actually, when he was at the lawyer, told the lawyer that he looked like Michael Douglas. Who, of course, looked like that in Basic Instinct. Nobody was buying the shit. There was, they had surveillance of the house. They had records from the phone. He said that Manny was calling him on the phone the entire time he was murdering the guy and telling him what he had to do, but there were no calls to his house that night. The cherry on top of all this was that Manny was Sharon Stone's boyfriend in Basic Instinct. His name was Manny Vasquez in the movie. And that's when everyone was like, God, this guy's just fucked up. And so, you know, he goes to trial. It was actually a pretty quick trial that started, and the defense went in swinging with several personality disorders. But actually, the... uh, the prosecution had a lot of diagnosis for him as well. So he was diagnosed by six different doctors during the trial with a borderline personality disorder, a histrionic personality disorder, paranoid schizophrenia, paraphilia, and antisocial personality disorder. All of those. Completely <laughs> ignoring the uh, diagnosis of necrophilia. There's a video of him fucking a corpse. <laughs> he literally takes the corpse's head. While he's in the bathtub playing with it, and it makes it give him head. Just makes it that like he's just fucking the mouth of this poor little Chinese guy's decapitated he's head. He's actually sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years for first degree murder. Fucking can't. There's no way he's going to get parole. There's no fucking way. You say that, but it's fucking can't. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, before we move on, like, this was a great request from several listeners i think there was like six or seven of you guys who who requested us to do this and i think he's basically a per- perfect candidate for this show thanks for the request on that and i appreciate it thank appreciate that y'all made me watch that fucking that and just i feel broken inside now <laughs> so thank you for the uh suggestions wonderful listeners <laughs> fuckers all right shall we move on to patrick bateman i don't know do i have enough left in my soul to do it Listen, don't just stare at it. <laughs> Eat it. <laughs> and like I said, the reason that we did Patrick Bateman is because he is a character that uh, Luca was kind of obsessed with. And a lot of his murder was kind of similar to the way Patrick Bateman murdered his victims. Luring them to his house, dismembering them, and as well as his kind of vain personality and uh, obsession with cleanliness and obsession with being loved by people the curly mustache podcast just look at it the thickness the off-white color the gothic script it was perfect perfect 
That was my Patrick Bateman impression. That's a great scene, by the way, when they're comparing oh, yeah. cards. They're they're comparing oh, yeah. business cards, and and once again, he just like I don't know. We'll talk about it. So real quick, just to introduce him, Patrick Bateman was created by Brett Easton Ellis for uh, his nineteen ninety one book called American Psycho. It was adapted in two thousand by Mary Heron, uh, and he was portrayed by Christian Bale. It's a great performance. Oh, good for you, <laughs> Christian fucking Bale. Oh, oh, Christian. Every time someone says his name, I can't help but do that. Oh, oh, good for you. Lottie fucking duh. Not only did Christian Bale play Batman, but he also played Bateman. (laughs) You should feel guilty. (laughs) So, you know, Patrick Bateman is kind of this Wall Street yuppie. He's obsessed with his own health, his cleanliness, his appearance, his money, his music collection, all these material things. Are, are the most important to him. And it's also an allegory for the 80s. Patrick Bateman is the physical embodiment of the materialistic, hedonistic Wall Street 80s lifestyle, while at the same time being completely and totally empty on the inside. Patrick Bateman is the 80s. He is literally the embodiment of the mentality of the eight. Well, and at night, being a brutal fucking serial killer. Like I said. <laughs> the 80s. The 80s. <laughs> that, the, hence the hedonistic lifestyle of the, you know. They were fucked up in the 80s. He was a little more fucked up, though. Okay. <laughs> a little bit more. Just a, just slightly. I mean, he so he was a serial killer and a rapist in the movie. Uh, in the book, he actually kind of dabbled in cannibalism and necrophilia, too. So, uh, they kind of churched him up slightly for the movie, but... Mm, not a lot. <laughs> I could just see the fucking pa- uh, 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 Christian Bale going in to really discuss the character with the director. He's like, right, Mary. Mary, all I'm saying is, does he have to fuck a dead man's ass? <laughs> I'm just saying, I've been listening to this thing. It's called a podcast. And if you strangle someone, you shit yourself. <laughs> Patrick is all about Looking beautiful. Would Patrick get shit on his dick? I'm just saying, from a character point of view, I cannot inhabit the role if I get shit on me dick. Hey, you're on to something, I think. He was born in Long Island to uh, wealthy parents. His mother actually ends up in a sanitarium, and his father dies. Uh, and he ends up working as a stockbroker for one of the biggest, you know, Wall Street, you know, stockbrokers in the city, Pierce and Pierce. But he doesn't really work too often. He's just kind of one, one of the middlemen, you know? He's not really the cock of the block kind of guy. He spends most of his time kind of, like, showing off himself at fancy restaurants and bars and clubs and doing coke and picking up prostitutes who he sometimes murders, sometimes doesn't. But he's all about he's all about that show-myself-off-life, kind of like Luca. He wants people to notice him and notice how rich he is and how good-looking he is and... Uh, the problem is, is that he's just kind of like every other guy there. He's just that Wall Street embodiment yuppie prick. Like that, you know, he's not really any different than anybody else. Absolutely. And can I ask you a quick question? In the history of our podcast, has anything fucking good come out of Long Island? (laughs) Hot dogs. I really wish they had given him a Long Island accent. You know? Just to hear... Christian Bale try and do a Long Island accent. Because he did the Boston accent in the fire. He did a good Boston accent. I'm just saying. 
but I would love to see him just be, you know, like him try and do that famous line of like the the off white and the the dark black of the letters and all gothic script and look at the thickness, the thickness of this god. Oh, it's perfect. No, too much. I, it wouldn't have been as good. <laughs> he didn't just kill men and women. And there's a really fucked up part from the book where he actually <laughs> sticks a. Ha- those of you who don't know what a habitrail is, it's a little tube for hamsters and gerbils and stuff. He actually sticks a habitrail tube into a woman's vagina and forces a rat into her, wanting it to eat her from the inside out. So that was definitely not going to make it into the movie, obviously. Fucking cowards. Fucking cowards. This is art. Go all the way, goddammit. He murders women for the sexual gratification of it, and then he murders men because they make him feel inferior in some Whether it be richer or better looking or more noticed or, you know, just better liked in general. Uh, the movie kind of focuses alone around a guy at, at an opposing firm named Paul Allen, and he kind of makes Patrick Bateman feel inferior by having a better business card and being a higher trusted broker. And, and he actually takes a major account that Bateman wanted. And so Patrick Bateman invites him over to his apartment and he fucking chops him up with an ax. Well, listen, if you're going to feel inferior about your physical appearance... Jared Leto's gonna motherfucking make you feel inferior about your... <laughs> I'll say it now, alright? That man is gorgeous. I am comfortable enough with myself to be able to say I wish in at 47 I looked like that guy. You know what, though? You're not his type because you're not a 17-year-old girl. Please don't tell me Jared Leto is doing inappropriate things with an underage kid. Oh, yeah. What? That's been a thing for like 20 years, apparently. Like, he's been, like, investigated several times for, like, inappropriate messaging and contacting of, like, 17-year-olds. It's like kind of the James Franco thing. God damn it. I didn't know that. You know what? This show is educational and it destroys your heroes. (laughs) Yep, Patrick Bateman is destroyed for you now. Jared Leto is destroyed (laughs) for me. (laughs) All right, fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, he, so he murders him with, with an axe. Um, he goes straight over to his apartment, breaks in, and fucking packs a bag. Uh, leaves a new message on his machine saying, Hey, this is Paul Allen, and I'm in going to London for however long. And then he leaves, you know, just to kind of cover his tracks a little bit. And then he picks up a couple of prostitutes and brings them over to his house and has sex with them. Uh, videotapes him having sex, says that his name is Paul Allen, and beats the shit out of them with a coat hat. I love that scene in the movie. All right, I love, there's something, that was when I knew the turn, the fucked up, like, he was really gonna get fucked up. Like, they're all like, are we done? And he's just staring at a fucking wire hanger, and then just, just does that Christian Bale turn, and he just looks at them, aka the camera, and he's just like, not yet. And you, then they, then they, then the scene cuts to them hobbling out, and it's like, <gasps> Also, the scene where he tells one to look at the other girl's asshole, and then he says, don't just stare at it, eat it. So, a few days later, he finds one of the same prostitutes, tells her to bring a friend over, it's not going to get rough anymore, let's let's try this again. And she brings a friend over, he drugs her wine, and she wakes up, and he is in full berserker mode, covered in blood, and has already chopped her friend up with a chainsaw. <laughs> and is screaming, chasing her with a chainsaw now. 
She almost escapes. She runs down the apartment steps, gets all the way to the door, and Bateman drops the chainsaw from three floors above, and it just falls directly on her, kill, killing her. Brilliant. It was a brilliant scene, because I just liked it, because he's, like, tracing the outline three stories up of her, like, following her, following her. Okay, I'm going to lead this just a little bit, and drop. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. But it's fucked. It's real fucked. The whole movie is pretty fucked. It's a great movie, but it's it's definitely fucked. He seems at this point, after he murders the prostitutes, to go into a full psychotic break. Because he goes to an ATM, and he reads the ATM, and it tells him to fucking feed the cat feed a cat to it so he pulls out a gun and like tries to ram the cat into the atm and like gets ready to shoot the cat an old lady witnesses him doing it and he turns around shoots her and then a bunch of cops are nearby so he starts shooting at the cops and then the cars explode and he runs off runs back to his apartment and goes to bed basically wakes up and is kind of confused that like oh the cops aren't here that's fucking weird and uh, he's like, I'm going to get caught. I'm going to go to my lawyer, tell my lawyer everything. He goes to his lawyer and says, I killed Paul Allen. I butchered him, cut him up in little pieces, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, no, you didn't. I talked to Paul Allen last night. Everything's fine. And he was like, this is a shitty joke. Like, you didn't do that. I just talked to him. And Bateman is completely fucking confused. And still, even after doing all this and, uh, you know, talking to the lawyer like he still just feels like i'm nothing i'm inferior like I, this guy doesn't even believe me like i haven't done anything i'm still just interchangeable and indistinguishable from all of my peers was he getting help from someone patrick bateman because it's like you know like i had corpses in this room and then the corpses aren't there and they're you know renovating the apartment like did he... What happened? Did he do it? Yeah. That's the question. Did he do it? Okay. Or was this all just him being a psycho? An American psycho! I'm sorry. I know that's stupid, but I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Since I was a teenager. So, it like, legitimately, I, I it's always been in the back of my head. But I didn't want to just cheat and look on Wikipedia. And that's kind of the thing about the movie is you don't really know whether his kills are real or not. Like, he's clearly a piece of shit. He's a racist. He's an anti-Semitic. He fucking misogynist. Like, he... The whole movie, he's, like, fakes concern for, like, equality and values because it makes him more likable. But that's it. He just wants to be more likable. He, he has a fiancé, a beautiful fiancé. He cheats on her. She cheats on him. Like, it's all just an act. And... You don't even really know. You know that he's a piece of shit. But you don't really know whether he's his kills are real or not. Okay. There were some certain scenes where he... Like when he's talking to the, the bartender and he's like, I'm going to fucking rip you apart piece by piece. And she's like, here's your drink. You know what I mean? Like, I think that the Paul Allen stuff was just in his head. But I have a feeling that the prostitute stuff was all real. Okay. I was just... I'd always been curious about that. I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, so there is a part in the movie where, like, he has a secretary named Jean, and she's obviously in love with him. Like, and he invites her over to the house because he's going to kill her. He's like, oh, you know, she's, I can have sex with her and kill her. And they're talking about music, and there's this point where he walks up behind her with a nail gun and points it directly at her head while she's not looking. And then he, like, realizes that, like, 
no, like, I'm not going to kill her. And he lets her go. And, you know, it makes you think that, like, oh, okay, well, so maybe this guy does have some kind of soul in him where he has a method to who he's going to kill and who he doesn't. But he kind of explains that the reason he doesn't kill her is because he feels like she's too beautiful of an object to destroy. Not a, not that he has a heart and she's a person. Yeah, okay. There's another movie after this, American Psycho 2, which I've never seen. Uh, apparently, he is, he is killed by a 12-year-old after he kills her babysitter or some shit. But... I don't really know anything about the movie canon after the first movie. Don't really care to. You mean Mila Kunis as as Patrick Bateman's illegitimate daughter? I guess. Have you seen the movie? Yes. I saw American Psycho 2. What a hunk of shit. What a <laughs> hunk of shit. Are you, are you saying it should be a, a podcast, a motion picture meltdown podcast movie? It should absolutely fucking be a motion picture meltdown episode. I say that absolutely. Steven, look at me. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay. And, you know, the book series is a trilogy, so apparently in the third book, there's a scene where he's, like, completely haunted about by whether he has done all these crimes and the type of person that he is, and I think he's he's set on fire. Whether he does it to himself, I'm not really sure. But he's burned alive on a boat due to feeling haunted by himself. Like, that's why he, he sets himself on fire, because he can't take it anymore. Which... If you think about it, fire is the ultimate cleanser, you know? Yeah, it is the biblical cleanser. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. You want to clean out an entire city in the way of a god? You burn it. Do it the Old Testament way. True chains. Let's hop ahead to the Buller Hat scale. Where would you put me, Luca, the most handsome man you've ever seen and my amazing penis that everyone wants to pay for i fucking hate animal abusers and he's a murderer but uh, the scale it's the scale you know with, with all the other people we put on this on this thing killing cats like this doesn't belong in the same category as murdering fucking 60 people or, or a million people or something or in the same scale as Taking some poor Chinese kid and dismembering the body and mailing the arms and the feet, the hands and the feet to various government agencies. No, and for sure, for sure. Yeah, he 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 put the work in. Uh, he didn't start strong, but he finished strong. Real quick, before we get to the bowler scale, I do have a question for you because I am dead set that this fucking kill was not this guy's first human kill. No, no, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. No. There's no fucking way, right? Absolutely not. This is... I mean... I completely forgot to bring this up, but that was not his first kill. That that absolutely was not his first kill. It was far too planned, far too open, far too experienced. That's what I was thinking the whole time I was watching it. And, like, I know he was connected to some... Remember, we, we brought up those murders in Toronto. There was a lot of connections to him in those murders because some of them were done in very similar ways. But there was no evidence to tie him to them. Yeah. So do you think that he possibly could have been one of those murderers in Toronto and, and actually had some practice at this beforehand? It's not just a simple hop from I'm murdering a lot of cats and kittens to I'm putting up an incredibly elaborate scene on how to murder someone. I'm putting in all this methodology into a my first time kill 
and then yeah, there's no way process afterwards of this of of disposing of the body. Mm, no, absolutely fucking not. This at the very least, there was some kind of like trigger killing, like somebody pissed him off and he shot him, or somebody pissed him off and he he cut their throat or stabbed him or something. Absolutely, there had to be because. It, Especially after almost a year now of, of talking about these guys, like there's nothing in my brain that says this was this guy's first kill. You're absolutely back right. to our scale. Being that this guy was caught before he could at least legally be a serial killer that we know of, I can't really put him on the same level as like Richard Chase and and you know oh no oh, you no. know these guys. So I'm gonna give him a. 6.5. Yeah, I'm going to give him a 5.5, maybe a 6. Maybe a 6. I mean, he was creative. Most of his known kills are kittens. Yes, he was very creative with his one kill, but, you know, he's vapid. He has no substance. He's literally just middle of the road, which is why 5 5.5 seems appropriate. Yeah, I agree. As far as Bateman goes, now if he did it like 8 or 9, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hacking people up with chainsaws and, like, hacking up with an axe and, like, drills and nail guns and, like, you know, just his whole... His whole character is constantly thinking about wanting to murder people. Yeah, if he actually committed the murder, he gets an eight. Right? If he actually committed those murders. If they weren't just in his head. I mean, he beat the shit out of some hookers. It's a four. <laughs> Nothing against prostitutes, by the way. Absolutely not. I am a hundred percent pro sex worker. You said you said hooker with a really I disgusted didn't mean it like that. I face. didn't mean it like that. I am a hundred percent pro sex worker. You know what? If you can make it work for you, fucking go hog wild. Legitimately, if I thought I could get away with doing it, and by getting away with it, I mean actually finding people who would pay me for sex. I'd fucking do it in a New York minute. Are you kidding me? A Long Island minute. No, not even that. New York. <laughs> Nothing good comes out of Long Island. All right. So, are either the, either of these people redeemable? The answer is nay. No. No. Not in the fucking least bit. I mean, I mean, Luca might have been when he was a kid. Like there could have been some hope for him. He'd still be fucked up. I mean, that's a lot, but they just got to him a little fucking earlier. All right, I think we got a lot of feedback today. So uh, I know you had a personal one. Do you want to share that first? Absolutely. This piece of feedback comes from Miss Zoe, our listener from Australia. Stephen, uh, Miss Zoe, a listener from Australia, told me to tell you, Stephen, if she hears describing going into the outback in reference to anal sex... She's out. <laughs> oh, well, I don't think we're going to do that anymore. So we got our one shot. Let me just say this right here and right now. Not one comment in all that she and I have discussed about that particular episode. Because I asked her about Catherine Knight and she said, yeah, not many people outside of Australia know about Catherine Knight. People in Australia fucking know Catherine Knight. Um, not one negative statement, really, about my accents. But the negative, but the negative statement was about you. Oh, okay. And your pun. Oh. So I just want to say, my reign as the accent king remains. So fuck off. Okay. Well, 
if I'm being damned for my crudeness, maybe she should go back and listen to the other fucking 40 episodes that have been released. Good eye. <laughs> we have a piece of feedback from Gay Monet on Twitter. She said, I don't know if it would be an insult or a present to tell someone, as a last present to you, I give you permission to eat me. That still gives me nightmares. <laughs> It's love, it's gratitude that I'm giving Joel by allowing him to eat me when I die. It's what friends do. You, you eat each other after you die. Chest first, of course. Chest first, thank you. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next up, a piece of feedback from Alisa. OMG, I can't wait for an Al Capone episode. This last one got me super hyped for it. Also, I threw up on my mouth a little bit at the hot dog water nastiness. <laughs> my kids have been asking for fucking hot dogs lately, and I can't. I cannot. <laughs> You're like, listen, we talked about it. It's not happening. You're never eating hot dogs again. They now know how to make hot dogs on their own. Like, I legitimately will stand in the kitchen and make them handle it, because I can't handle the smell anymore. It's like, no, no, take two out of there, put them on the plate. Put them on the plate. <laughs> put them in the microwave. All right, there you go, buddy. Daddy will cook it for you. All right, you take it out. Get the fuck out of my kitchen. It stinks like hell. <laughs> All right, so this next piece of feedback is from Meg. She Hi, Meg! She says, one, this episode was probably the one to make me the most upset since Jimmy Savile. And she would be talking about the Dan Gertler episode. Dan that fucking piece of shit! And two, fuck, with capital F-U-C-K, the Parcast Villains Podcast. I listened to a little bit to see what they were all about. Not only am I convinced they ripped off the curly mustache's idea, but it is incredibly boring to listen to. Total snooze fest. The curly mustache reigns supreme. Oh, Meg. Meggy, Meg, 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 Meg. I feel like there's some favoritism going on. You truly are amazing. You didn't say that about our other listeners. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. No, but honestly... Yes, I get what you're saying, but no one else, on the, no one else has uh, gone and been like, "Yeah, fuck Parcast Villains Podcast, fuck those guys." I did the research; they suck. She's the first. She's the first one to do that. If anyone else does that, guess what they're gonna get? They're gonna get just <laughs> as sexy of a voice and me telling them how much I appreciate it. Solid, solid. All right, and our last piece of feedback comes from Rich. He says, damn, I got so far behind. Life got in the way and still back on episode 20-something. Major catch-up tonight. Which was probably, like, days ago. But glad that you're catching up. And glad that you're, like, listening. You're binging. That's what we're here for. Rich, buddy, we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Rich, also, I'm going to be in Ireland. Get a hold of me on Twitter. Come to Ireland. You're in the UK. Come on. As always, we thank you for tuning in. For the Curly Mustache Podcast, Joel and I appreciate all of our listeners and love when you guys engage with us. Uh, But the most important thing that you can do for us is to share us with all your friends that love true crime and love pop culture podcasts. So you can tell them they can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, and pretty much any other major podcast platforms. Uh, There they can follow us, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at the Curly Mustache Podcast. Uh, There, I'll often post exclusive content that references our episodes, so uh, follow us on those platforms, check out that stuff. 
If you'd like to listen to other United Cypher podcasts, check out Motion Picture Meltdown and Music Video Countdown. You can also go back and listen to old episodes of Talks Over Games, The Anime Alphabet, and Fallout Forecast. Check out some shows from friends like Nerdonomy, who are getting ready to drop a full-on Nerdonomy podcast. They used to be split into Nerds on Film and Nerds on History. They're basically making a conglomerate podcast to where they just talk about nerd shit. So it's just called Nerdonomy. Check out The Whiskey Reel. Check out Sorry to Waste Your Time. Check out Code Yellow, a Scare Actors podcast. And I got a new one for you guys. If you're into podcasts about love, marriage, and Harry Potter, check out my buddy Kevin's show. It's called The Fox and the Foxhound, which is also available on Spotify. I'm Steven. I'm Joel. And make sure you stay evil. <laughs> <laughs>